And good morning. We are live on YouTube and we are going to bring in our Facebook groups, which is Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons and Scott Kennedy Sports. Both of those on Facebook. The uh, the old Scott Kennedy page has taken off here in the last couple of weeks. Some Colts information has uh, has made it bump a little bit. I use a little bit more um, generic stuff, so not just Falcons, but soccer, uh, World Cup, other sports, uh, random NFL stuff. I use that page for those type of things. But welcome in everybody. This is the Falcons podcast, the morning after, as I like to say. Um, as you're coming in, hit that like button or leave a comment if you watch this on demand. I know we probably get about two-thirds at least of our watchers are watching this on demand on YouTube. So leave me a comment. I always like to check in on that. We'll check out on how everybody's feeling today going into uh, the loss of the uh, after the Commanders game and the Falcons dropped to five and seven. But ironically, they're still only one game out of a playoff spot. If they had won that game, they would have been in first place by half a game over Tampa Bay, who loses to Cleveland in overtime. Uh, it's the uh, you look at the Panthers and the Saints at four and eight. They're only two games out of a playoff spot. It's it's who wants to win this thing in the uh, in the NFC South? There's a lot of bad football going around. It's not just the NFC South. Um, you know, shoot, I think the NFC South still has a winning record against the NFC West. So there's a lot of bad football, and if you hang around five hundred long enough, you got a chance to eke into the playoffs. Let's say hello to some folks coming in. Michael Ranquillo was in first over on YouTube. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick, and, and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Joe Cannon coming in this morning already. He says, great morning, fellas. Am I the only person who thinks we threw that game yesterday? Oh, I don't think <laughs> maybe blew the game yesterday. Um, it was a really evenly matched game. We can get into that in a little bit. You know, when we think through the game, that usually means intentionally lost. Uh, I, I don't think that at all. Um, you know, not even jokingly trying to tank. These, these guys are, again, you know, you go 500, you, you win the division. Uh, yesterday puts them in first place in the division. That's a good goal to have, even for a team that really is has some serious holes on this team. And, and we'll get into that and how to rebuild and, and those type of things. And we'll revisit the draft just a little bit because uh, I was – pretty adamant in fact i watched about 20 minutes of my day after draft coverage and i'll have to apologize to nick because i kept cutting him off because i was all fired up after the falcons drafted drake london because i was not a fan of that pick um and you can see why it has really nothing to do with drake london it has everything to do with the fact that you aren't ready to use a wide receiver in this offense uh but we'll get into that here in a little bit mark linda mood comes in and says howdy scott and Falcons fans, good morning, good morning. Mark, how are you? And we'll say hello to Mr. Nick Kendall right now. I was just saying, Nick, I, uh, I probably owe Nick an apology because I just watched our Friday morning, the day after the draft broadcast, um, just to kind of get some of my takes and see if I, if I could grab a soundbite exactly on what I felt about the Falcons taking Drake London at the time. And it, it looks like I spent about 70 minutes interrupting you. So apologies after the fact. <laughs> I was uh, fired okay. up that day. Like I said, there was, it was, uh, and, and how are you, my friend? Good morning. Man, I am. It was a rough football week for me, man. The Haw Iowa Hawkeyes choking against Nebraska. I guess I don't have to have the misery of watching them versus Michigan now. And man, the, probably the worst Broncos game we've seen all season, which is saying something. But happy to be here. Uh, had a good Thanksgiving, more or less. 
and uh, ready to talk some, ready to get in, start to get into some draft because I'm ready for the season to end. Well, Dave, good morning. Dave says, good morning, guys. Good morning, Dave. Coming in on YouTube. Appreciate you being here. So, um, the, uh, the, the, the Falcons and commanders game was a really good game. Yeah. Um, it was, it was well played. There was, I think, you know, there are very few penalties. The turnovers came. Unfortunately, that's where this game was won and lost was in the turnover battles. Now you look at the turnovers and it's going to say it was even, but it, it really wasn't because both turnovers came with about a minute left in their respective halves. But one of them was at midfield in the second quarter. And one of them was going in for the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. And that was that was it. That was ball game. Um, but, you know, on the whole, very evenly played, very similar teams. Uh, one of the differences I might say in this one is um, the, the, the commanders. I'm going to call them the Redskins. I might as well just get it out. The, uh, the commanders could move the ball through the air when they needed to. And the, the Falcons couldn't. Um, you know, they could do, they, they were doing a lot of underneath stuff, but they couldn't push the ball downfield when they needed to. They could get some waggles and some bootlegs and the running game. And Mariota ran a nice, clean, efficient game, but it was, it looked like you were playing with a backup quarterback. You know, it, it was so, so protective and, and, and Calder coming in, um, he's got doing his, uh, little John impression. What? So, um, yeah, pl- pleased to hear it. Welcome in. How are you? But it, that's that's what it felt like. The difference in this game, you know, on the whole, was the last turnover. But over the type, over the the the, the whole sixty minutes, one of the big differences was Taylor Heineke could push the ball downfield to his wide receivers, and the Falcons couldn't. Yeah, I mean that's been a plaguing this team all season. It's part of what makes Mariota a borderline starter in this league, right? I mean, more or less vertically passing the football has protected the football and obviously had the interception in this game, but on the whole, the season done that not so much in the fumbles, but you just lack the ability to move the football in the drop back pass game. Now, some of that is probably a function of the lack of weaponry on the outside still, especially with Kyle Pitts going down. Some of that is protecting the offensive line. I do think a lot of the offense that's being called this season is somewhat shielding the true, you know, pin your ears back, drop back pass sets that Caleb McGeary has struggled with uh, in his career to date. One of the reasons he's looked better this season, in my opinion, is because he's in much more opportune situations. Uh, but the, the drop back passing game, that's the next thing for the pan, uh, the Falcons. And that's the big reason that Mariota's not going to be the guy. He's a steward of the quarterback position in Carolina. Uh, seems like a great locker room leader. Definitely seems to be having this team in the right direction as far as Arthur Smith's vision. But but if you cannot drop back pass game, there are going to be games where you have to do that to keep up or to put the pedal to the metal. And Mario, this t- this offense with Mariota dropping back seems incapable of doing that to the extent that you need it to be in today's NFL. I agree. And, and Scotty Shank Weaver comes in. Um, he's coming in with the angry emoji on Facebook. So thank you. He's, he's a little mad. And you, yeah. you, see, you see why. He says, passing when they should have run was a stupid play call. Um the read option had worked very, very well right up into the point where they tried it on first and what was it? First and three or so, mm-hmm. you know, first and goal at the five, um, you know, where, you know, you, you, you might not necessarily need to get cute there. 
you know, just give it to Tyler Algier. And I, I tweeted out on the fourth and one play, if they were going to go between the tackles, I would have rather seen Tyler Algier than, than uh, Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson runs a little more upright, um, yeah. where Tyler Algier knows how to, he's just got a little bit more experience at the running back position. And he, he's shorter and can get lower, get behind his pads. And you saw him do it later on, pushing a pile and squeezing through a hole. I, I think, I'm not sure who was doing the the uh, announcing on this, but the, the color commentator says, you know, running into the darkness there. It was kind of, I thought that was a good description and coming out on the other side of it. Um, that you do that three times, you you probably win the game. And so they tried a read option. And for the one time it didn't work, they lost some yardage and then they went to a passing play. Um, Scotty, I'm with you on this. Mariota passing the ball. Pitts out. Mariota passing the ball. And there's strikes one, two, and three right there. And two of them were Mariota passing the ball. Um, I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a great idea. Um, and that, it, that can, that contributed to losing the game without a doubt yesterday. And, and Calder comes in, says, why did the Falcons stop running the ball at the end of the game? How many games have we lost when we were running the ball the majority of the game? Um, Arthur Smith will tell you thought we saw something there. Uh, it had worked. The play action and all that type of stuff had been there. The read options were money all game. Marcus Mariota, every time he kept the ball, he picked up 10 plus. I mean, at least eight plus every single time. This time the end crashed down and didn't bite. And it was lost. And um, I think the play before he he bumped into his I he bumped into Keith Smith. On a, he was turning to hand the ball off, and he hit, hit the uh, the fullback coming through. I was like, "Oh my god!" There happened to be a penalty on that play anyway, so no matter what had happened, it would have been all sides and it would have been a first down. But I thought the game was lost right there. I was like, "Here comes the Falcon moment." No, no, it was just a couple plays later. Um, so yeah, I I, I agree. R- run the ball, run run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. It it had worked. It it had worked well. Yeah, I. Why get away from it, especially if you're close in the game and your weaponry is lacking? I mean, good game overall from both running backs. Both of them had, you know, Tyler Algier, what is it, 11 carries, 54 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. Cordell Patterson, 11.52, 4.7 yards per carry. It's working, and that's, I mean, kudos to the Falcons team for getting that to work. We were, I was very worried about how the run game would operate in a post-Kyle Pitts world. I see from uh, Dave coming, or... Michael Coretti coming in saying doesn't really matter when Pitts went down. MM can't get the ball to him anyway. Imagine what Pitts and Lennon could do with a real QB. Even if Pitts was not getting targeted, he creates space for you. Uh, mm. It's just because of the type of weapon he has and the explosive uh, ability that he has. He's going to draw coverage and create space in the middle of the field, opening things up in the run game. This uh, commander's team has a very good uh, defensive line and I thought for sure they would be able to stack the box and take it away, you know, play cover one all game or cover three or even run blitz uh, and take away that. And they still were able to run the football. So it is somewhat head scratching. Um, that's more of a micro analysis on Arthur Smith, though, because on the season he's been phenomenal given the limitations <laughs> this mm-hmm. roster has on the offensive side of the ball. But that one definitely left me a little bit uh, scratching my head. Yeah, this was a game similar to last year where they kind of just tried to take the air out of the ball. Um, both teams moved it, but there was only 19 and, and 13 points in the game with, you know, 400 yards of offense, um, a smaller amount of plays. I think the Falcons only ran 57 plays, uh, this game where they've been in the sixties most of the time. <clears throat> so this was, a 
it was a low scoring game, but it didn't feel like the defense has played very well. <laughs> it feels like the offenses had their way, but you know, they were, they were getting stops when they needed to, or, you know, again, limiting, limiting the opportunities and Dave comes in. So aside from the obvious, from the obvious run the ball, I didn't much care about that. You know, that specific pass play. It seemed to me that Marietta stared down uh quarter old Patterson. Could that have been avoided? Um, yes, yes. And yes. Um, if you're going to run, I would have preferred an RPO there, you know, with a bootleg and get him out. You know, that way there's so many different options. If he's if he's running wide, if you can get him outside of the pocket, he's got the option to throw it away, to run out of bounds, to, to run for a touchdown. It extends the play longer. So backside, just like last week, a backside receiver can then make his way all the way across the back of the end zone. And it brings that person into play. Um, I would have preferred that, but having him, you know, step back and it was probably play action. Uh, I can't imagine that it wasn't. I just remember the, the tip ball going up and going, Oh, you know, Oh hell. And then just wondering, I couldn't tell from the play if it had hit the ground first and they give us another angle. Of course not. It didn't, that one didn't hit the ground first. Every other one I watched hit the ground first, but not that one. It was, uh, it was, it was tough. Um, Joe Cannon says, I really appreciate Tyler Algier for the effort he puts forward each week. And uh, I want to do just a little bit of reflection on the draft on this, um, Nick. And I know Tyler Algier was a guy that you really liked coming out. Um, and yeah. Falcons got him in the fifth. Good value. Yeah, he <clears throat> he's not really an explosive runner. Uh, he's never going to be able to create much separation once he gets to the second level. But my God, he runs tough as hell. Uh, last year, he was, I think, number two in the entire uh, NFL and excuse me. Yes. No, in the entire NFL draft, uh, in yards after contact per rush attempt, uh, he has a tremendous balance and he fights. Uh, sometimes I feel like the vision isn't great, but he's also not fast enough where he's not running himself out of holes. You know, he can kind of, just because he is, I wouldn't say plotting, but because he's not super explosive North and South, uh, he can gain that speed forward and then get through that hole. And once it gets to the second level, if you can get him in an ISO matched up versus a defensive back, he's going to make run through that guy. Uh, if you arm tackle him, he's going to run through that. So a uh, really big fan of him. I think he would, I don't know if he's explosive enough in all facets of the game that you want him to be, you know, getting 25 touches a game, including the passing game, but in a complimentary backfield, if you can have somebody like that, that can punch constantly and get tough yards and short yardage and make teams, you know, really have to focus on their tackling technique and soften them up. Uh, he's a great one. So yeah, I was a big fan of Tyler Algier. I was, uh, he was my like day three uh, back of choices last cycle. Yeah. I, I like the way all three of the guys run. Caleb Huntley runs all knees and elbows. They're all, they all run hard yeah. and you've got to have that yeah. at the NFL. The minute you try and start going sideways, you're, you're, you're just in trouble. The defense is too fast. You don't, you don't have enough room. It's like, I, I mentioned this the other day, we're talking about why doesn't the option offense, you know, the old fashioned option, why doesn't, why didn't it ever get run in the NFL? You, you were watching, you know, the Oklahoma and Nebraska winning national titles, running the wishbone. It's because the defenses are too fast. Well, even if I'm a little bit faster at running back than I'm against the linebacker, by the time I can create enough separation to make that turn around the corner, I've run out of space because the, the field basically gets smaller the faster the players are. So you've got to have guys, and Nick mentioned it, that can break those arm tackles. He caught it clearing the trash. When he's going through there, he's not getting tripped up going through a hole. He's, he's blasting through arm tackles. And 
really, really enjoy watching him play. James Hyatt coming in on YouTube saying, good morning. Good morning, James. Hope you are doing well. And uh, and Millie Mills coming in. Millie, I feel like this is a newer name. So welcome in. Glad you're here. Um, connect with us on Twitter. I'm at Scout Kennedy. Um, and uh, give you a shout out and say hello. So hello. Appreciate you being here. Says, but we still have to give Arthur Smith credit for getting us five wins in a protective scheme that he's running. Next year should be all right. Um, Millie, I, I agree. I, I still think when you look at the defense that was put out there yesterday, and again, I put this out in a, in a tweet, the Falcons have, have dropped after putting um, Taquan Graham and Kyle Pitts on injured reserve. The Falcons have dropped below $100 million on active contracts. They're at $98 million. I think number one was the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe. Either way, number one is at $180 million. You're basically allowed $210 million in salary cap. And then injured reserve would count against your inactive contracts. Um, the Broncos have a bunch of those. The Falcons have a few of those, but most of the Falcons' money is tied up in dead cap, so they never yeah. have they never had those guys. Ninety eight million dollars is by far the least in the NFL. Um, the Bears are thirty first. I think they're at about one ten. The Broncos are 30th. I think they're at like 121, 122 till they lose somebody this week. But <laughs> um, they're at $98 million. That's not even half a team. I joked all year about them having half a team out there. They don't even have half a team out there. So to be able to do that while well, you're throwing the likes of Timmy Horn and Matt Dickerson, uh, you know, in, in defensive line, and to still be able to get stops and be in that game and be a tip pass away or, you know, uh, from, from winning that game and being in first is a magnificent coaching job, whether or not you make all the right decisions at all the right time on the whole picture, this team where it is right now, as I've said, most of this season is a year ahead of where I thought they would be. Yeah. I do not disagree one bit. And a big credit goes as Millie Mill says, talking about Arthur Smith and the scheme in general, uh, the defense is still a ways off, and this was a game where it was somewhat, pu- I mean, somewhat punishing to watch the Falcons' defense. I know they're missing Graham, which hurts them a lot, but uh, Brian Robinson, who was also a running back, I liked a lot. I think he was taken in the third round, third or fourth round uh, from Alabama. He, solid running back class last year, honestly. Not not many top guys, but a good year. And uh, he, what did he run for? Let me see. 18 carries, 105 yards, and 5.8 yards per carry. That's uh, not good, folks. Uh, from no, the he was, he was a handful. He was a handful yeah. for sure. So this Falcons team, I, I'm really curious, Scott. We're gonna have a lot of fun debates this offseason. But do you continue to add in the investment around the offense to build the best environment possible for a young quarterback to come in? Because it seems like in recent history, the quarterbacks that have you know the ability to hit the easy button on the offense are the ones that have had the best ability to translate to the NFL. Or do you add reinforcements to the defense? Obviously, it's going to be some of both. But what what do you prioritize? I'm I'm curious. I, I think you've got to prioritize defense at this point. You know, you've poured in. Um, you know, depending on who your quarterback is. That said, I mean, yeah, your your first let's say your first pick if it ends up being a quarterback. So that's counterintuitive what I'm saying. So let's say they use a, a number one pick on a quarterback. Okay, from there, most of the moves I'm going to make are still going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think the offense is that far away. Um, you besides know, the, quarterback. Besides <laughs> the quarterback, is. exactly. Uh, and, and that, and you may never know. That yeah. might be okay. You know, yeah. it, it could be, it could be, it could be Ritter. We don't know. It could be yeah. Ritter. Um, you know, right now the signs are pointing to it's probably not Ritter or else he 
should have been playing by now. Um, but we don't know. But assuming you get right tackle locked back up because your right tackle is a free agent, I'd still like to see uh, better play at center, but that's not overly expensive. And maybe Dalman takes a step up from his first year as, as a starter to his second year because he's not strong enough at the point of attack. No. Um, he's just, he gets pushed back. It changes the eye sign and the path of the running back on every single play. You know, if I want to go, if I want to go guard to, you know, a B gaps, I can't, I've got to, I've got, I've got to bounce that outside. If I want to run a stretch playoff tackle, all of a sudden that turns into a sweep because Dolman's getting pushed back three yards right off the snap, pretty much every play. Um, so I'd like to see something there, but then you look at the other side of the ball. Um, and Nick, do you know who the number one graded safety by PFF is right now? Is it Richard Grant? It's Kyle Hamilton. He's playing in a oh, part-time in the entire role. NFL. Okay. Now, yes, it's, it's in a part-time yeah. role. So he's not playing 60 snaps a game. But last year during the draft, I was pretty adamant that, you know, the guys that we probably really wanted were all gone in the first like seven picks. Yeah. Um, that said, I would have gone Kyle Hamilton at eight. I think he helps your team more. He's, he brings all the character. He's from Marist, can be the face of your defense for the next decade. Um, watching this game yesterday, I was more convinced than ever that this team needed a safety a lot more than it needed a wide receiver. Not that it it just a lot, but they needed Kyle Hamilton more than they were able to effectively use Drake London yesterday. Uh, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I, I'm very much a believer that the Drake London pick was not made for this team, this iteration of the Falcons, but the next one or whatever quarterbacks next. So maybe this mm-hmm. 2022 version of the Falcons roster could have used Kyle Pitts more. I think you're still going to be happy with uh Drake London in the long term. Now, Drake London was not my number one wide receiver in this draft. The guy who went off yesterday by the name of Garrett Wilson was my favorite wide receiver. Now, maybe a little bit slightly different receiver. Maybe you want somebody with a little bit more physical ability out there to run that Arthur Smith offense where you are playing more max protection. You are more reliant on the run game. If you're going to be in a run-centric offense, guess what your wide receivers have to do? Block their bleeping ass off. And Drake London does that better than Garrett Wilson does. But... I agree with you. I mean, if we're doing the complete hindsight draft right now, the best pick might have been there, Tyler Smith, who's absolutely just playing incredible football for the Cowboys. That, one, that one's not hindsight. I was, yeah. I was. No, no. Who should the Falcons have taken at eight? Kyle Hamilton. That was, yeah. you know, that's that wasn't a hindsight. That's mm. I'll I'll bring up the video. No, I believe um, you. I meant just where, like, no. Where I where yeah. I said, listen, this is a reason why I don't want a receiver, and I think it's stupid, is because you can't use them for two years. You can't. This offense isn't ready for a receiver for two years. And then you're halfway through his contract. You know, you talk about cost control. Well, you're halfway through his contract by the time you start thinking about being competitive. Uh, But they're competitive now. So like I said, they're a year ahead. But this team watching them yesterday, Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins struggled mightily. They had bad games yesterday trying a lot of those big runs from Brian Robinson. Instead of being four runs, they turn into 11 yards. Because Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins were missing tackles. Leaky. Um, and they were they were loading up to stop the run, too, because otherwise I would have said Troy Anderson. I would have said Rashawn Evans. But instead, I'm saying uh, safeties. And they had a they had poor games. 
Uh, Arnold Ebiketti was not in, and you could tell. He played nine snaps. Um, Adeogundeji just isn't as good a player. So when I'm running out there with, you know, D'Angelo Malone, who hasn't played a ton, rookie, Arnold Ebiketti, uh, Taquan Graham's replacement, and God, what, we're, this, this is what they look like if, last year if Taquan Graham hadn't taken the step up. Um, I need another corner opposite Terrell. I need at least another safety. If one of my inside linebackers is going to play every snap of the game like Rashawn Evans did, I could use, you know, let's see what Troy Anderson becomes. But to, for me, Nick, to answer your question, defense. 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 Get the quarterback position sorted, and then you've got to go defense. I think you're you're not that far away. You know, yep. if, if Zacchaeus is a turning into a decent third option, if Pitts, London, Zacchaeus, okay, well, now I can go find a fourth guy or somebody come in and be an upgrade at three and free agency or maybe later in the draft um, without having to spend veteran minimum money. I can go spend $3 million, $4 million on a, on a good three or four wide receiver. They, yeah. They'll have that option next year. So for me, the bulk of the rebuilding has to be done on that defense. They're, they're stitching it together with duct tape right now, Nick. Yeah, I agree with you. I just am curious if you lean even harder into the offense to make it a super positive environment for that future quarterback, whoever that is. And the one position that we didn't talk about, Scott, and I think we might disagree a bit here on this one, this upcoming cycle is the running back spot. I think you've been fine there, but the way this offense works, it features a prominent running back. And I don't know how long Cordell Patterson is going to be. Saying, that Cordell, guy. Cordell, you can't count on Cordell for the next three years. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that the running back spot now, I'm not advocating for first round pick at running back or mess giving a big contract for that running back position, but just how this offense functions. I think you need a guy there. Uh, and this is an incredible upcoming free agency class. Uh, you can probably get a guy for much cheaper than you typically would. I mean, field Yates tweeted it out uh, this morning, free agents in this class, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, Damian Harris, Jeff Wilson, Rashad Penny. I mean, this is a pretty crazy uh, running back class. Mm-hmm. And then you have a very good uh, draft as well. So that's a position I think the Falcons will. Then again, doesn't have to be the first pick for them, but I think it's something they will look at. And talking into your defensive line, uh, Saika, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I know this is the Baylor nose tackle here. Mm-hmm. Um, will be good to see um, some big 12 defensive linemen uh, playing. I think there's only been one big 12 defensive interior defensive lineman drafted in the top 100 in the last five to 10 drafts in Ross Blaylock. That's the only one I can think of. So uh, getting another for, Baylor for, uh, for, for big, big 12. Um, yes. Cause then Dominican Sue's getting old, isn't he? Yes. Yep. <laughs> no, he's, he was drafted in the two. Oh yeah. That would have been draft. when I was, when I was still in California, cause the debate was between him and um, Gerald Everett or Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy. That's right. I was like Oklahoma state, right? Oklahoma yeah, versus Nebraska. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, that's sorry. Uh, Sooners, not, not, uh, not, not Cowboys. the Cowboys. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that would have been, let's that's see. 2012. NFL network that year. It was like, Oh, eight, Oh nine somewhere. in. Yeah. It was the 2012 draft. Cause it was one after the Von Miller draft. Okay. Yep. Couldn't so. remember when, uh, how long it was. I was, I did NFL network draft stuff for two years and then they, um, they started just only putting people on that Super Bowl rings. So, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I like Travis Jones. Travis Jones was available. Uh, ended up yeah. going to the Ravens. Um, but you know, watching this game, you know, two catches, 29, 29 yards, thirty nine yards. Trake London. It just 
than watching Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins. This, this team needs a safety badly. Yeah. Um, and it would have helped a couple weeks in a row. You know, we're seeing that shift, Nick, where you're, you're coming up against more teams that want to run the ball. Um, you know, bad quarterback play, it's November. decent running backs, play the Panthers twice, you know, especially when you've played the Bears, Panthers, and Commanders four out of your last five games. It really shows up that you, you got to be able to tackle. Uh, yeah. Dave asks, he says, um, do we really know if Coach Smith can develop a young quarterback? Um, I think he does a very good job of getting the best out of the quarterbacks he has. Um, but can he develop one? I don't know that he couldn't, um, you know, having, he went with, uh, he went with Tannehill over Mariota pretty quick. And that's really the only sample size we have. How um, much are guys actually, how many, how much are guys actually quarterback developers versus quarterbacks are just dudes? Uh, because you see a guy with a quarterback for a long time and then they leave elsewhere and they lay a wet fart. Uh, so <laughs> I think, and I think, you know, having the right scheme and play calling is big. You know, look at Daniel yeah. Jones. You see guys, Ryan Tannehill was, a you know, an example. You see guys get in the right scheme. So can he create a scheme that can maximize the the quarterback position? Yes, I think he can. I think he's done that. Um, KB82 says, uh, with the Broncos falling apart and their draft picks getting better, should the Seahawks draft quarterback and what quarterback is likely to be there? They're going to be, they're going to get a top five pick right now. Um, and they could have... I would say the only one that would be gone for sure would be CJ Stroud. Bryce Young could fall. People might start talking about his size a little bit, but they could have a bunch of them. They could have a bunch of them. We'll hit on that a little bit on Broncos for breakfast here. We're going to, we're going to have to hop over there in about three or four minutes. And, um, Dave says, um, Wilson ain't running big boy routes either. Um, you start talking to me about a wide receiver who blocks as his main attribute. I'm finding a wide receiver that I didn't need to take number eight overall. Um, yeah. It's you know, just, I, I need I to just, have it. Yeah, of, of course. I'm not, not yeah. disagreeing with you, but it's like, you know, going back to, I'm not going to use a soccer reference, but I want, I'd rather have Calvin Ridley out there catching 1400 yards receiving than a guy out there who's doing a good job blocking. You know, if you're good enough, if you're explosive enough, we'll overlook the fact. We'll we'll carry a guy in the blocking game. All you have to do is at least get in his way. Um, and then Calder said, asks, he says, are the Falcons still in the playoff hunt after Tampa losing? Yes, they're a game back. And if you can pull even with them, the last game of the season is against the Buccaneers. So absolutely um, still in it. Uh, Steve Kennedy coming in. He says, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you as well. Um. Several guys, edge rushers, that I'm watching outside of Will Anderson. Um, that pick, you're going to have to watch him because the Falcons might end up picking in the teens instead of the the, the top eight again, like we had said. Um, and uh, and KB says Melvin Gordon is still fumbling. So, <laughs> on that note, again, it was a it was a tough game yesterday. Well matched teams, um, and they shouldn't be. They, they shouldn't be well-matched. Washington has been at this for several years, has put a lot more money into their team, and this this team was even. Again, I, I give credit to Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith for putting a competitive product on the field with half their resources. And uh, and the players out there who are playing, a lot of them are playing on one-year contracts who are playing to get another contract. It's uh, yeah. It's been a, it was a, it's a frustrating game, but it was a good game to watch. And like I said, if you set your expectations to where mine were at 2-15, and 15, three and 14 this team, the way they're playing now, even if they're not getting the results, it's they're fun to watch. 
they're yeah. they're fun to watch. You get frustrated when you're like, God bless it every freaking time. You could go in for the win. I know, I know, but there's a lot to like about this team. This is a this is a fun. Some teams are unlikable. You know, they're they're bad attitudes. They're bad effort. Mm-mm. This is a this is a fun team to watch, Nick. Yeah, it is a fun team to watch and eager to see what they do this offseason with all the resources they have. So will be a fun one to follow and uh, much more enjoyable than the other team that we're about to go cover. So uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, hopefully you can get back on path, uh, get back on the right track next week and uh, enjoy it, I guess. You know, there's only what, six games left that's wrapping up here. Are there even six? Five, that 11. Six. It was five and seven. There's five games left. Falcons haven't five. had a bye yet. Oh, okay. So, so they need six a, weeks. a well-deserved rest week. So Nick and I are going to hop over to Mile High Huddle to do Broncos for breakfast, to do our pre-which coach will be taking over for the Denver Broncos at the end of the day show, um, because they are a train wreck. Speaking of teams that aren't necessarily fun to watch right now, that's one of those teams. But again, the Falcons are a year ahead of schedule. The rebuild can begin in earnest with $100 million in salary cap money. Um Plenty of draft picks. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what this team can do when they're, you know, fighting with both hands instead of one hand tied behind their back. Um, on that note, we're going to get out of here real quick for Nathan. Nathan Lloyd said, I didn't really like the London pick, but I did understand why they did it. I didn't want Hamilton. I wanted Jordan Davis in the middle of the D line. Um, I, I like Jordan Davis too. I just thought that um, Hamilton would be a player that would be on the field. They played 62 snaps on defense. He'd be on the field 62 snaps. You'd be lucky to get. 35 to 40 out of Jordan Davis. So it just made a little bit more sense for me for, for Hamilton, but yes, for sure. On that note, we'll see you over on mile. huddle. We will be back on Wednesday for our regular schedule Falcons podcast at 9 a.m. Eastern. So we will see you then have a good day, everybody.